Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew 27, verses 15 through, uh, beginning with verse 15. Now, in the festival, the now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone who they wanted. At the same time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with the innocent man, for today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? All of them said, Let him be crucified. Then he asked, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then the people as a whole answered, His blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. The word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's good to have you here this morning. Uh, It's a good morning to be in church. Nice warm place to be. So we want to thank everybody for being here. Thank you for being here with us in the house. We've got a wonderful crowd today. Thank you to those who are online. I wondered with it being the weekend between spring breaks if we would have a small crowd today, but it looks like all of us are in town. So thank you for, for being here, whether you're online, whether you're here in the house. But let's wave to everybody so we have a moment of connection with our family because we are all a family here at Good Shepherd. And once you're here... You are part of the family. So if you're here for the first time, welcome to the family. Uh, I am Regina, uh, Pastor Regina, for those of you who may not know me, and uh, I enjoy spending time with you this morning. Uh, Remember to comment online. Remember to uh, uh, shout out in the house if you're here because we want to hear from you. Freedom is from within. The 19th century architect Frank Lloyd Wright is attributed to this quote. If most of us were asked to define freedom, we might say the lack of boundaries or or the ability to come and go as we please. The meaning of freedom, however, is is much deeper than, than these surface understandings. Lack of freedom is something that most of us cannot wrap our head around. We live in a country where many of our freedoms are guaranteed and at times taken for granted. While some of us may have been in situations when we have been had limited decisions to make or, or our choices were limited, our freedom was not compromised by laws or governmental interference. Freedom can be used for power or it can limit or it can grant power. How we use our freedom determines the depth of our wisdom. Today's encounter with Barabbas and, and Pilate and Jesus will clarify for us how we can experience freedom even though we may be in bondage. 
Our Lenten journey began on Ash Wednesday, and since then we, we've traveled the dusty road leading to Calvary, meeting folks along the way, at first who may appear insignificant, but, but upon a closer look, they have very important aspects of the, Christmas, of the Easter story. It's through their contributions that we better understand that underlying meaning of the resurrection. We must continue to observe the scenery around us as we travel and participate in the events that we encounter along the way so that when we arrive at the empty tomb, it it gives us greater understanding. Our first encounter was with Simon the leper and the prostitute who, who anointed Jesus with that expensive oil. We learned that everyone has a lesson to teach. We observed how Jesus looked beyond the surface of events and and people to recognize the true significance of each. We came to understand that actions taken in love are, are never insignificant. We realized that sinful individuals can be redeemed, that God welcomes all people, no matter what the disease or malady, and that God desires to claim all of us as children. Next week, we met the high priest's servant, Malchus. We observed restoration, humility, and a sense of purpose. We discovered that in our woundedness, we can be redirected and, and healed by the touch of Jesus. Healing changed our perspective. As we learned not to react to or retaliate, to disarm with love and to live for a greater purpose, we became empathetic with the victimizer and learned not to, to take on the role of the victim. We learn forgiveness and surrender and ultimately realize that God is present in our suffering, even when we doubt that God is present. We are reminded just how much we are loved and are healed. Last week we came across two great pretenders, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. These men were powerful, prestigious, and wealthy. They were members of the Sanhedrin leading double lives until the death of Jesus To openly follow Jesus would have cost them way too much. But when their struggle of consciousness became too great, these honorable men did the right thing. When the greatest risk was present, Nick and Joe demonstrated the most courage. These men became unlikely heroes. From these men we learn that authentic followers of Jesus break with their past, display great courage, live a public faith, Invest in what they believe and expect to sacrifice. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea teach us that pretenders, fakes, frauds, and failures are all welcome at the open and empty tomb. We discover that although we may be great pretenders, God is not. We hope that others can see Jesus living in us and that we are not perceived as pretend Christians. Today we meet Barabbas and Pilate, and we observe their encounter with Jesus along our journey. Now we don't know a lot about Barabbas, except that he was an insurrectionist, a thief, and a murderer who was imprisoned by the Roman government. He knew he would be killed for the crimes that he had committed and was simply waiting his execution. Now we think we know Pilate. We get a glimpse of who he was from the scriptures. We attribute him with handing over Jesus for crucifixion but we often fail to see that he was conflicted in his decision. He knew in his heart that Jesus was not guilty of the crimes that he was accused. 
He tried his best to release Jesus to the Jews, but they clamored for the criminal Barabbas. This great exchange of human commodity was based on nothing more than the desires of the crowd. This great exchange, however, changed the world. Not for what the criminal did after escaping death, but what the executed did by accepting the unfounded punishment. Barabbas escaped execution because of, of, a, of a Jewish Passover custom. He was released from captivity and, and Jesus was handed over to the Jews for crucifixion. Hardly seems fair, does it? This known criminal got a free pass for his crimes while the innocent man faced execution. Barabbas' freedom cost him nothing, but it cost Jesus his life. When you think about it, we are all Barabbas. We are all sinners, yet we are free from the sin because of Jesus' actions that he took on our behalf. Although Barabbas gained his freedom from the Roman government, his freedom was not real. He was still a prisoner. Barabbas was a, a prisoner of his past. His name indicated insult by, by assuming he was like his father, who may have, been, who may have had a shady past or, or possibly that his father was unknown. Because we, we do not know for sure, our imaginations lead us to an understanding that possibly Barabbas was driven to his, a life of crime rather than accept his heritage as an illegitimate spawn or, or because maybe his father had been a, a, an insurrectionist as well. What we do know is that our past is out of our control. Hear that. Our past is out of our control. But too many times we are held captive by our past and are unable to break free from it. Barabbas remained in captivity by a life that was out of his control and his lack of care for others. By his choices, Barabbas cemented his prison bars into the foundation of inward hostility that kept him from being the person with hopes and dreams that God had created him to be. He allowed self-hate and, and circumstances to shape who he was. We know this because he was a convicted murderer and, and a thief who rebelled against authority. Now, even though Pilate was uh, the governor of Judea, with, uh, with many under his control and command, he held the fate of two men in his hands. Pilate was not free. Pilate was held captive by the decision that was before him. Whichever decision he made to free Barabbas from his dungeon or, or Jesus from the angry crowd, that would be the only thing that history would remember about him. Whichever choice he made, the other option would bind him to the history of the defeated crowd. This prison was of his own making, just as much as Barabbas' choices were the cause of his imprisonment. Pilate was held captive, by, held captive by fear. Fear of Caesar, fear of what would happen if he made the wrong decision, fear that his past choices had not worked out well for him. Pilate was held captive by his selfishness. There was nothing to be gained by him releasing Jesus. It would cost him everything if he chose uh, to do what was right. He would lose control of the crowd. He would lose support of Herod and the Jewish leaders. His career would not advance. Pilate was held captive by the need to please. He needed to please the Jewish leaders, the crowd, the soldiers. 
His people-pleasing personality indicates that his self-worth depended on the happiness and the success of others. Pilate was held captive by his denial of responsibility. As he washed his hands in a symbolic gesture that Jesus' blood was not on his hands, he denied his responsibility in having the power to set Jesus free. He knew Jesus was innocent and, and had been falsely accused, but he was not strong enough to stand up against the crown. He tried to shift responsibility to Herod after he found out that Jesus was from Nazareth, and he claimed that he was not to blame for Jesus' death. Yet, these facts were not true. Like Pilate, we do not take responsibility for our actions or inactions or when we don't do that, we become prisoners of the resulting consequences of our actions or inactions. When we allow fear, selfishness, denial of responsibility and our need to please to influence what we choose to say or do or not say or do, we often make an incorrect choice. At the very least, our choice may not be authentic to who we are. We become free only when we accept the reality that we are responsible for our attitudes, our affections, and our actions. Jesus was the only one that was free in our story. Free, you ask? He was the one who was crucified. Don't you know the story? Jesus was not ruled by his past. Jesus was not controlled by fear, selfishness, or the need to please others, or the refusal to accept responsibility. Jesus was free to act according to the will of God. He was free because he was secure in who he was, his place, his purpose, and his future. Jesus did not need the approval of others to know who he was. He knew that he was loved and he, did not have, and he knew his place in life. He didn't have to find it. He, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew his purpose in life was to come to earth to die for others and he knew his future was secure with his heavenly father after all the pain and suffering would be over. We can learn many life lessons from the great exchange of Barabbas and Pilate or Barabbas and Jesus. We learn that true freedom comes not from our circumstances or position in life but from how we respond to these circumstances and position. If we are in tune with our true selves, if we know whose we are and if we focus on God and others, our freedom comes from within and not from the opinion and conditions of the outside world. Freedom reflects God's nature. We are free because we are created in God's image and God is infinitely and absolutely free. We must be sure to make choices that reflect the freedom God gives us. No one can take freedom, the freedom that God has promised to us because we belong to God. Jesus came so that all prisoners of life can be released. Easter. Easter is a celebration of Christ's victory over death that won our freedom once and for all for fulfilling the mission on which he was sent. When Rob Burkhart met Kurt, Kurt was in his last six months of a 10-year federal prison sentence for manufacturing and distributing methamphetamines across state lines. Burkhart had started out as a contractor in a religious program at a federal correctional institute on April 1 of that year. 
He had helped prisoners arrange mentoring relationships with others for their faith and, and who had come, who would be able to help them once they got to set, uh, back into the community and help them with a successful transition. He felt like a fool on a fool's errand on April Fool's Day. But Burkhart was asked to preach the Protestant chapel on Easter Sunday, on Easter Sunday afternoon. The scheduled preacher had, called out, had been called out of town for a personal emergency and, and the Protestant chaplain had another commitment. So following the service, he, he made a point to shake hands with, with as many of the inmates as possible. Hey, Doc, I didn't know you were a preacher, Kirk said. Burkhardt had seen Kirk around the unit but hadn't really talked to him. He was about to graduate from the program and there wasn't time to really connect him with a mentor. So they chatted for a few minutes and and when Burkhardt learned that this 28-year-old, hear that, 28-year-old, had spent almost a decade in federal lockup, his response was a typical, I'm sorry. I'm not, responded Kirk. You're not sorry you're in prison? I'm sorry for what I did, but I'm not sorry about coming to prison. It was the best thing that could have happened to me. I'd be dead now if I hadn't been arrested. The guys I ran with in Houston were all dead or in prison or worse. Burkhart wanted to interrupt and and ask what, what was worse than death or prison, but he didn't. Kirk said, catching this case in my life was the best thing that saved my life. I'm clean, I'm sober, I'm healthy, I'm young. I got my high school diploma and I earned a college degree while on the inside. God helped me turn my life around. The way I figured it, I traded 10 years of my life for the rest of my life. Sorry? No way. He said it in a way that left no doubt that every word was absolutely true. A corrections officer called the, called the move on the prison loudspeaker and, and interrupted us. The, the prisoner had t- prisoners had 10 minutes to get back to where they were supposed to be. See you, Doc, Kirk said with a smile. Burkhart watched him go, amazed by the smiling, handsome young man in prison khaki, a Bible under his arm, making his way back to a cell behind the razor wire of a federal correctional institution. Best thing that ever happened, really. I hear this story over and over and over again on Monday afternoons spent with Deborah, at Deborah Johnson Rehabilitation Center, which is a Tennessee uh, prison for women here in Middle Tennessee. Some of these women have no way of living life outside the walls of this state facility. They have very few benefits that most of us would consider to be basic necessities of existence. Yet they tell you in a heartbeat that they are more free in that prison than they have ever been in their entire lives. Sometimes we exchange our freedom for what the world looks like or what the world would say was prison. However, the hope of Easter reminds us that true freedom resides in our relationship with Christ and the promises of God. May we always look to the freedom within our souls to determine the true riches of life. As we come to the table this morning, I I want us to realize how free it is that we have this opportunity to come to the table. How free that makes us. How free we are no matter what our circumstances, no matter what, what we may have done this week, what we may have done in our past. If we come to this table desiring to live a new life, 
desiring to let our hearts be cleansed, Christ meets us at this table with this wonderful gift of a meal that reminds us just how much we are loved. Let us pray together and confess those sins to God that are keeping us bound. Lord, when, when we want to listen too much to the world that tells us how much we are bound to the world, how much we've done wrong, how much we have slipped up, how much, how much we are not loved, you are there, Lord. You are there to remind us just how much we are loved. You are there to forgive us if simply we confess. And Lord, we, we know that we're a broken people. We know that we, without you, we cannot, we cannot be who you're called, you have called us to be. So Lord, as we come to the table this morning, we are reminded how much we are loved, how much we are welcomed, and how much you are just waiting with open arms to greet us at the meal you have prepared. Amen. As we come, let us never remember that on that night when Jesus, when Jesus ate with his friends, some of his friends were not free. Some of his friends were, were, were about to betray him. But you know what? He sat down next to him and had a meal. He sat down and shared that meal with him. And he asked us that night as, as he took the bread and broke the bread, he, he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he asks us this morning to do it in remembrance of him. He took that last cup of blessing and, and, and he said to his disciples after he had blessed it, Drink from this, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Holy God, we ask you to come into our hearts today as, as we sit here this morning. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your peace. Come into this bread and this juice and, and help it to be for us, the body and blood of Christ, to remind us that you are within us and call us into the world. Lord, we ask that, that as we partake this morning that we are reminded that our job is to show others how much we are loved by you and to love them as well in return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Those of you who are helping me this morning will come forward. Let us be reminded that we this is not uh, the United Methodist table. This is not uh, Good Shepherd's table. This is the table of Christ. And all are welcome in order to be able to uh, help us be able to eat this meal. So come this morning.
gluten-free options and single-serve options if that if you're not comfortable in teaching, which we will pick, pick, take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. Come now to God's will.
place. Go knowing you are loved and share that love with others. Amen. Amen.